Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is a podcast with unpopular opinion that progressive politics has a lot to offer the modern world. I'm your host, Henna Shah, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Stephanie Lloyd and Alison McGovern MP, who have just watched the votes, so we're hot off the press to hear their analysis. And later on, we'll be chatting a little bit more about the rise of the far right and showing solidarity with our Jewish comrades in the movement. Enjoy. So, Alison, it is uh, it is late at night. What time are we on now? It is, uh, hang on, it's 10 to 11. 10 to 11. Late so, night podcasting. Late night podcasting for everybody. So we've just had the second round of indicative votes. So what happened, Alison? So let me just uh, get my little list of numbers out here. So the speaker read out the results at the end of the session and the... Clark motion, which was just a, to agree a customs union, mm-hmm. got 273 in favour and 276 against. Right. So nearly kind of won amongst those who actually voted. But we've got to remember in all of this that there's a lot of abstainers here, that the effectively the payroll vote, the government vote, those MPs didn't vote. So in all of this, it's not really about whether you got more than opposed it it's more if you combined that number of votes with the hundred or so mps on the payroll vote whether or not you could get a majority of the house of commons anyway so nick bowles's um, motion on the customs union single market got 261 in favor and 282 against so a bit less popular than ken's there the carl wilson amendment on a public vote got 280 in favor and 292 against. So didn't get an outright victory over those that voted. But again, if combined with the government's vote, that could get a majority in the House of Commons. And lastly, the Cherry Amendment on circumstances under which we would revoke Article 50 Mm -hmm. if it became clear that we were heading towards a no-deal Brexit. That got 191 in favour and 292 against. So... What's really interesting about this ballot is the similarity to the vote on Wednesday, but with a couple of small differences. So on Wednesday, public vote got 268 
we were up 12 in favour on 280. And both the Clark Customs Union and the Bowles Single Market Customs Union motions got, you know, significant votes, 273, 261. So if you you can you can see a path through mm. where the government compromises on a tolerable form of Brexit and says that there'll be a confirmatory referendum. You can see how um, you could get a majority for that. And so I, th- I think it's a really positive step forward. Of course, the big question really, though, is what does the prime minister want to do? Because what this process indicative votes has been all about has been laying options in front of the prime minister and saying, look, there's significant bodies of support. In in the case of the public vote option, 43% of all MPs voted for that option tonight. And that, that's the important thing, isn't it? Because quite often when we hear these numbers, it's really hard to kind of quantify them in terms of what yeah. that means in terms of the House of Commons. But that's a hugely significant yeah. number. Yeah, so it's 43% of all MPs. If you add in the payroll vote, the government vote, you know, you, you could get a majority. You could get close to to 400 members of parliament voting for for a thing so the fact is that um if we want to find a way through this brexit mess the options are on the table now similarly you know the customs union and single market options getting 261 and 273 respectively they're in the same ballpark and the prime minister and the government could move in that direction and get a lot of support, particularly if they coupled it with saying, okay, here's a process by which we'll turn outwards to the country instead of just constantly looking inwards to Westminster. And and here's a process and a way that we can work through this. The reason why the Prime Minister doesn't want to do that is because inside the Conservative Party, that would be controversial for the ERG. But, you know, it's interesting. You listen to people like Tobias Elwood, who's a minister in the government. And he, I was on the radio with him and he said that the ERG weren't real conservatives. You know, they weren't, they weren't actually proper conservatives because they were wanting to kind of have radical change. And they didn't believe in the kind of things that conservatives normally believe in, you know, stability Mm. and offering continuity in public life. And so it is interesting as to why Theresa May feels such loyalty to the ERG and some in her party who frankly have been on a on a destruct method in politics for a long time. And particularly I think when you see that I mean Nick Bowles stood up in the house tonight after those results came oh in my goodness. and resigned the conservative whip. I mean she has lost conservative MPs who have resigned the whip over wanting her to move in a different direction more than you know she's not lost a single ERG in terms of the conservative whip and it is that idea of like she cannot surely just spend any more time placating to the backbenches and trying to hold the Conservative Party together and ignoring the country. Because, I mean, the legal default, from what I can gather, is still that we leave in the next couple of weeks if we do not have, unless they get another extension from the European Union, we will still leave with no deal, right? That's right. And we can't have that, you know, we can't have that kind of no deal by mistake. I think that's why the kind of dark horse in the in the race in these indicative votes has been the revoke option. Mm. I think 
people went into, I can't remember what it got last week, but it, it, it didn't get as many supporting as, as public vote or any of the soft Brexit options, but it got significant support this evening because people feel like we have to have a safeguard and a backstop. And I think, so I think, think the conversation about under what circumstances would we do, you know, revocation of article 50 is a conversation that we'll keep having, but the pressure really is on the prime minister now to say, there's a majority for something else. Your MPs are resigning left, right and centre, as Nick Bowles, you know, he, Nick Bowles, like his proposal, although that he's worked really hard to try and get something off the ground and has got 261 votes for, for a thing. When the first, the, the Prime Minister got 218 for her deal. So mm. actually has done a, done a decent job trying to put together a proposal that would take into account biggest possible set of positions across a, a wide number of people and has put more into effort I think into to listening to people and taking account of views than the Prime Minister who really has conducted a negotiation amongst the Tory party so I guess the big message from tonight is there is a majority there for a way forward if the government choose to do it but if they keep just kowtowing to the ERG then you know they are going to be stuck and there will be consequences for them of that. So what's the next stage of this process now? So we've obviously had two rounds of the indicative votes. I believe the government was saying they're going to try and bring meaningful vote four back. Was that something that they were saying? I mean, Twitter was, I was trying to get into parliament and it's very late, so it was all locked. So, I mean, so I didn't get to see it all announced as it happened. But I mean, so what is the next stage of this process well, now? Where does it go? The government, if they want to bring another meaningful vote back, you know, it has to be different because of the speaker's ruling. So yeah. we'll have to see where that goes. There are further, there is a further day on Wednesday that has been reserved through this process. And we'll just have to kind of wait and see where we get to with what we might do next. But I think it's fair to say that people having realised that that there might be, you know, a large number of people, a large number of MPs who want want to do this a different way, uh, I think that they're not going to give up and people will keep trying to persuade the government to take, take a different course. So the next stage is really Wednesday for that. God, God, I mean, so we've got Wednesday for that in terms of how that works. Can you see there being a route through? I'm going to ask you the question that no one's ever going to answer, right? But... Can you actually see Theresa May turning around and changing course? Well, it's really interesting because that is the question that I have been wrestling with for the entirety of today and thinking about how people are voting and what their motivations are. And it's really interesting because a lot of people are quite focused on what the outcome will be amongst other colleagues in the House of Commons. So like I'm going to vote for this thing because I think lots of people will be able to vote for this thing for this reason. And that's that means we'll get the biggest possible number. So people are trying to compromise amongst themselves. Mm. But we're all really negotiating with the prime minister because we're really trying to work out what she would be prepared to Where opt she'll for. And how that, you know, yeah. in, on, on our system, the prime minister is the only person who can really proactively move proposals. Certainly, she's the only person who can actively move like move a proposal with the European Union mm. and you get no indication from her either way if she can't have her deal what her preference would be it's a bit like negotiating with with a sort of ghostly figure you know like she she's never given any indication what her second choice would be after her deal so we'll have to see what happens in in the next couple of days but 
it just demonstrates how stuck Westminster is in that we have a government that can't command a majority um, on it, on the most important item of its business. You know, Brexit is the biggest issue on the government's plate and it can't get measures through the House. And that has brought our system to a screeching halt. Now, to me, the, there's an obvious answer there, which is if Westminster can't decide it, then you have to go out to the country and you know whether or not we have a public vote, you should be out there listening to people and trying to find a way through that way. But you don't kind of get the feeling that this Tory government is in that kind of creative mode of let's listen to people outside Westminster and see if we can move this on or even, you know, let's find a kind of alternative route that could bring pe- people together. There just doesn't seem to be any no, creativity just, left. No, and, and they just seem totally fixated on keeping themselves together in a way that it's just so blind to everything else that's going on yeah, around it's, it's just absolutely maddening. And I think this won't be forgotten quickly either. It's It's interesting because it does feel so frustrating to be living through this. It feels like the gears have really ground to a halt whilst child poverty is rising, whilst, you know, there's... I feel really sorry for the police around Westminster at the moment because I think they must be thinking, you know, we've got a lot on. Mm. This is really grim that we're having to do this at the same time as, you know, knife crime in the capital rising. Yeah. And all. You know, I, I think of the opportunity cost of all of this and it feels massive but I don't this just can't go on forever and I think that the truth is the Tories will not be forgiven for this quickly and that's why in the end we on the progressive side of politics need to be also getting ready on what our answers are to the things that people really care about so that we once we are able to and are able to put those answers to the public that we really are can demonstrate that there's a better way there's a better way there of running is a the better way of doing this than this final question before i actually let you go to bed because i'm slightly scared of how much you've had to do today but and the bags under my eyes growing <laughs> by the minute thanks no oh, it's fine yeah. i'm with you i'm with you the the thing that people often forget is not only obviously do you guys have to negotiate with the prime minister there's also the EU and the EU 27 in terms of that. Can you see them shifting at any point to stop us? Because as we say, that legal default currently, if she refuses to move, can you see something stopping us from crashing out? That I, they will be I able don't to do? think that anyone in the EU wants us to crash out without a deal. Yeah. I, I don't think they want that because... But well, do they not, want us to keep just, just... Not least because of like free movement. There's mm. a lot of like nationals of other EU countries in the UK. Yeah. And in the same way as we care about British nationals in France, Spain, Germany, the same is true the other way. So even if, even if, even if other Europeans didn't care about British people, which they do, mm. you know, they would care, care for those simple practical reasons. So I think that this is they such... want to find a way... But there has to be a point, right, where they get, because this is, this is so, I mean, it, we think it's, I mean, it's all consuming of our time, but it's so consuming of their time as well. And they've right. got European elections and huge issues that they're trying to face on the continent as well. So, I mean, do you think there will be a point where they just go, no? Um, I think that what we don't want is a total breakdown in discussion and negotiations. Mm. And I think that they have given us 
this few weeks, two weeks from the end of March to try and push this process forward, uh, which we are doing. And I think that they're prepared to tolerate it, but I think they really want to see some progress, which is why, you know, this all matters and, and Wednesday matters. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll be back on Friday with the rest of the analysis on this. Um, and we're going to take a short break now and then we're going to move into more discussion about the rest of the weekend that's just gone on in politics and what's going to happen next. So thanks very much, Alison. And we'll be back with Henna after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, while all this complicated horse trading happens in Westminster, you can't ignore what's happening in our broader political culture. Now, everyone's favourite Brexiteer, Jacob Rees-Mogg, tweeted over the weekend, quoting the AFD, uh, who are a far-right party in Germany. So they're basically German nationalists. They don't really like LGBT people, women or people of colour much. In fact, Stella Creasy um, commented saying that she has to talked to them in the Council of Europe and that one of their representatives actually claimed that all the Muslims in Europe are out to kill the Germans. So those are the kind of people we're talking about. Now, for the sake of legalese, I should say that he then said that he didn't endorse what they were saying, but that they were a strand of German political thinking that it was worth listening to. Yeah, fine. I mean, what do we have to say about that? Well, also, he seems to have like put out a kind of mea culpa tweet as well. How do you end up endorsing something or, you know, appearing to agree with or how does a person ever end up doing that in the first place is would be my point number one. And point number two, when these things happen, I always think the manner of the apology tells you the very, very most about the person. So yeah. Jacob Rees-Mogg clearly could realise that he had cocked up, as he says, mea culpa in seeming to or giving the appearance or even there being a question about whether he endorsed the, AF, the AFD's viewpoint. But 
he could now use this as a point of learning and recognize that the far right are on the rise in Europe and are causing us problems left, right and center. And he could think about what it is that he could do to maybe address that, but he's not going to do any of that. He's going to think, I've put a tweet out, I've sorted it, I've boxed it and back to my, you know, normal service of telling everyone else they're stupid because they don't, you know, dress like me and appear to hail from the Victorian area like I do and he's not going to understand why he will have made people so upset by doing this he doesn't I don't think he gives the impression of really caring yeah I agree I don't think he cares what do you think Steph no I don't think he cares and I think also the thing for me that I that worries me about all of this is the utter normalization of far-right rhetoric that we've got in our current politics and I think the people who are totally responsible for this are the ones that have to take action on it and it's the kind of it's exactly the same people who when you even if you talk about brexit and you talk about a second referendum they go it's just going to encourage fascists it's like no no you are the ones currently encouraging fascists no matter what we do exactly is it like so i get this a lot especially you know all the people who voted leave in the north of england you know they've all we've all got already got problems with the far right and I, i know that very well but you don't you know you've got to attend to people's real and you know, their actual concerns, which are normally about like the fortunes of their town or, you know, what's happening with the jobs that that people used to do in that area. And a sense that like, actually the way things have been going, haven't really been very fair. Like assuming that, that people might sympathize actually with the far right is it just, it's completely the wrong attitude as if the answer was any different from what it was in the 1930s when Oswald Mosley was going down a similar track. We always forget that Oswald Mosley was for a significant period of his career, a Labour member of Parliament. Absolutely. And the argument was made that in the West Midlands, where a lot of his people were active, that, you know, you needed economic nationalism to because of people's jobs and the economic nationalism implied a kind of political nationalism. And we've been here before. And the only answer to it is to call racism by its name and to say that you're no more likely to be racist if you're from any part of the country or, you know, from any particular political viewpoint and that we all collectively have a responsibility to stand up to this absolute nonsense. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I hesitate to say this with my posh voice. Yeah, Nothing yeah. wrong with your voice, Anna. <laughs> but it's a very establishment view to have, right? The idea that um, Jacob Rees-Mogg is sort of implying that Leavers or that the Leave campaign in general sort of tends to imply that um, if Leavers aren't listened to, then they'll turn to the far right. Yeah, there's, there's essentially assuming they're stupid. Yeah, exactly. And th- there's a group of commentators who I think of as what, what I call the the prole whisperers like the <laughs> proletariat whisperers you know like the horse whisperer mm-hmm. yeah who from quite you know lofty heights basically write these books about you know voters in in england particularly the north where they vote you know in favor of faith family and flag and that you know you establishment in westminster couldn't possibly understand what it is to your only joy in life to be going to your working men's club on a friday night and having a pint of tetley like it's complete nonsense. The idea that you would judge people and their politics because on the basis of being from a from a certain community, I think is completely wrong. And it comes from 
as you say, Hannah, it's quite an establishment viewpoint. It's it's deeply patronising. Yeah, and as I said, like this is not us saying leave as a racist. It's not true. But what is true is that we can see the rise of the far right. You know, outside we're in Westminster. We're lucky enough to be able to see the river from Ali's lovely office. But on Friday there was a massive pro Brexit protest, and Tommy Robinson, everyone knows him, you know, the great warrior for England who's constantly being silenced, gave an address uh, on Whitehall to basically a crowd of white people who turned up to hear him speak right in the centre of power. And that was awful. I'm sure, Ali, were you around? Were you back in the world? I was. I was here um, and it was not pleasant at all. And I would say that we do have a problem with the way that the far right are trying to have a massive influence on the Brexit process in a way that completely outweighs their influence in the country. So it says nothing about people who voted leave at all that these idiots have adopted Brexit as the kind of forum for their activity. Frankly, you know, a lot of what was being said was as much about it was much Islamophobia and um, and and other you know other forms of far right extremism. Actually, it's not really all that connected to Brexit, but it's just that they've chosen this particular debate as a hook for their nonsense. So you know, I, I don't think it was particularly great. I feel very kind of sorry for the police stretchers they are now having to deal with this as well. Obviously, like anyone's entitled to protest, of course they are. But but, this, so, but, but I don't I don't really think that that I don't really think it's a good thing to allow people who literally want to kind of stir everything up to just it was that's it well there's a few things about it. so like i came down friday afternoon because it was a wonderfully sunny day mm. so i came down uh, at lunchtime when it was kind of very early on in the demonstration and protest um and it was much more calm it was much more subdued people were kind of waiting for people to fill in and they were kind of setting everything up and it was just People were selling lots of England flags and making their opportunities from that. And it was kind of fine. I then walked past Parliament again when I left work. And the Tommy, Rob Tommy Robinson had already been on stage to speak. Uh, Labour MPs had also decided to share a stage with him as well, which I yeah. think was uh, a ridiculous choice uh, in which uh, to make. Uh, Labour MP, right? Uh, Kate uh, Harry, yeah. let's yeah. be clear. Shout Kate out Harry. to Kate Harry. Yeah. And, um, and I, have, and I've, I have been to... And I've seen so many demonstrations outside of Parliament. And as, as you say, like, there should be. Like, this is the place of power and it's about being able to come and make your voice heard. I have, however, never seen the sheer level of police presence that had to physically block anyone from being able to walk near which is Parliament, what, which, is which what, was terrifying. Which is what I mean for yeah. just feeling quite sorry for the police because mm. they frankly don't need this no. right at this minute. You know, there's a, there's a lot on in terms of policing and... Mm. In, the capital at the moment and they could frankly live without it you know most of the pro there was protesters here all the time yeah permanently yeah, yeah. we will i get hit by many a flag <laughs> of all different vote leave or european as i walk past and yeah. most of it is very good natured yeah yeah exactly but that was not it did not feel good natured on friday no it didn't in the same way there was a real there was a real kind of atmosphere around yeah. it and you saw kind of people there was a there was moments outside downing street where people were attacking the press who were there just to report on what was going on and um, people have a right to do their jobs in a safe way as yeah, well you yeah. know and to a certain extent members of parliament we know can be a target but also you know the fact is that 
when groups make it so clear that they are wanting to divide people on the basis of race and ethnicity yeah. or um, on the basis of gender as well. Like people are entitled to do their jobs safely. And there's lots of people who work in the civil service, mm. uh, you know, or on the political side here in Westminster who, you know, I imagine did not feel safe at all. And for, and actually most people in Westminster got sent home early to try and get away from it before, mm. you know, anything kicked off. So that we can't we can't have that we can't yeah. you know people are entitled to do their jobs no, and you can't proclaim it's destroying democracy and then literally stop democracy from being able to happen exactly yeah. those things are just polar opposite yeah and i mean sort of in my personal experience as well i was one of the few people still left in westminster about six o'clock on friday um and one of my colleagues in my defense i did tell you to go no home. no no you didn't <laughs> this is not me shedding you stuff i insisted on staying uh, to read old copies of our magazine because i'm cool like that um and my colleague joe sort of hung around and was like i'll walk to the station i said no i don't need to be walked to the station and actually by the time i got there i was incredibly happy that he'd stayed um just because you walked past a bunch of people who we initially thought were pro-europeans they're actually french fascists who'd Great. just come along to be racist in England, sure. And then sort of a massive group of sort of men outside a pub waiting for their coach home, just staring at me, just because I'm clearly not one of them. And they clearly, it sounds odd, but it's, I've never walked through London and ever felt that obviously some bits are, sometimes you feel more safe and then others like walking through at night, especially if you're a young woman on your own, whatever. But I've never walked through the streets and felt like the people looking at me hate me because of the very nature of who I am. And it's the sense- I know that feeling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the sense of knowing that that's the case and having these people sort of walk in very close proximity to you. And I've never felt before like on the tube or in a station being like, okay, like you could be a threat to me because you look like the kind of person who could be a threat to me. You look like the kind of person who's a safe person. And we don't want our politics or our society to end up creating a space where anyone has to do that. Anyone has to look around and be like, oh, that's that's a young black man. I'm going to be fine with him. This person looks like, you know, they're a young millennial. They're quite cool. They're probably not a rabid racist. I'll, I'll be fine with them. Um, and I think it's just a symptom of where we are that I naturally feel like I have to do that. And that's something that's really come out during this Brexit process that I never thought um, would before. But moving on to more well, cheering no, things. I think before, like before we move on, Hannah, I think that, you know, if, if anybody needs a reason why we exist and why progressive politics exists, it's that it's that people have an inalienable fundamental right to be who they are and be and do all the things that they want to. So that is why we exist, folks. So there we go. Um, but of course, the far right isn't the only place where we find racism. So we talked uh, about Osman Modi previously, but I have finally got around to joining the Jewish labor movement today, long overdue, I know, um, after seeing a phenomenally moving video uh, that was put together by Gordon Brown, former prime minister, and uh, the amazing Hope Not Hate on anti-Semitism and supporting Jewish people in our country. Have you both seen the video? I have. I have too. What do you think of it? It was wonderful. And the reason why it was wonderful, it was it was real leadership. And it wasn't just real leadership, it was real solidarity. And it's, you know, we've seen many, many people in the Labour Party try and talk a good talk about anti-Semitism and how they stand against all forms of racism, because they must always say all forms of racism. Um, and... 
actually what we've seen from Gordon and his leadership as someone who used to obviously was such a, a key figure in our party for so long whether that be his intervention that he made at the Jewish Labour Conference last year or this video is is really showing what solidarity is and I think you know from from kind of Jewish members that I've seen they've been exceptionally moved by it and his and you know his kind of willingness to try and show people there is a better way and this doesn't have to be what the Labour Party is um so I thought it was it was really poignant yeah absolutely I agree I mean the the I've made chocular remarks previously about the obsession of some in our party and in politics with uh, history but um, but I do think on this subject in particular often people don't know their own history and one of the things in the video that I think is particularly moving and persuasive is the role of of Nicholas Winton who was a Labour member as as, as Gordon says in the video some have called him Britain Schindler um, and he organized the rescue of uh children through the kinder transport jewish children to britain and you know and that guy was a labor member mm. and you know that's why solidarity with the Jew jewish labor movement matters and we all have a duty to to offer that support and that solidarity um, and if you haven't seen it i'll make sure there is a link in the show notes for you um, now I think that's all we've got time for. It's been a big episode. It's quite late. Yeah, quite tight. Ali's done a lot of voting. <laughs> we 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 didn't do the voting. Then, we went for dinner, but, 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 but we were watching the voting though very closely. And, and we'll have a little pod later in the week, will we not? So that for we further reflections once we have them. Yeah, we absolutely. Will. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you all on Friday. been listening to the progressive britain podcast the music was one in the west by blue dot sessions licensed under creative commons and many thanks for our fantastic and long-suffering producer caroline crampton It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.